So let's pray together. Dear God, our days pass and our years vanish. And too often we walk sightless among your miracles. Have mercy on us. Like Moses at the burning bush, help us to slow down to the speed of awe. And like Jacob, help us to discover that the gates of heaven, the gates to you, they're everywhere. And they're in everyone. So give us the mind of Christ. Amen. So after Jesus' resurrection, we find in scripture a series of stories in which his followers are struggling mightily to put into words, mere words, the wondrous and unprecedented things that they're discovering. On the road to Emmaus, Cleopas and his friend encounter the risen Jesus, but they don't recognize him, do they? And at the end of the day, as they walk together in the golden hour, my favorite time of the day, Jesus helps them to see where this whole story of the prophets and God's people has been heading all along. And what happens, their hearts begin to burn. And then after Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to them, awe plays a crucial role in helping them finally to recognize Jesus. Notice that. Awe helps them to go to the deeper dimension of reality. And then later on in the church, awe breaks upon everyone as they break bread together. As lives are being transformed, as they suddenly open their clenched fists and share generously and freely with one another. Holy cow! You see, awe softens our hearts, right? softens our hearts, moves us out of our terrible sense of isolation and separateness from each other, which is an illusion, and moves us into a deeper connection with God and one another. The early church and we as well, when this happens, we begin to experience the kingdom of God, the family of God, the connectivity of God. I'm already getting fired up. <laughs> so as you can tell, uh, our, <laughs> our series here these past two weeks, and now we're going back to the well for two more. Friends, it's been helping me to see some brand new things in scripture that I've never seen before in my 23 years. So this old dog apparently can learn a few things, new things still. 
So what if the Bible is not a rule book, a rule book or a long, long, onerous to-do list as many people take it to be, but what if instead it is an archive of people's experiences of awe? An archive of people struggling and groping to describe the wondrous things, the unexplainable experiences that they are having, struggling to write down on paper or parchment their close encounters with God. Moses at the burning bush. Jacob awakening at Bethel to an awareness of the presence of God. The Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Elijah hearing God's still small voice. Mary sitting in wonder at Jesus' feet. That's all. Paul being thrown off his high horse with a vision of Jesus. Awe yet again. And you all know I'm in this pulpit this morning because of my own profound experience of awe. And you got to know it still sustains me to this day. In China, while staying with a 90-year-old Christian, those of you in your 80s, your time of impact is just beginning. Amen? In the presence of a 90-year-old Christian, my heart was set aflame by the moral beauty of this oh-so-very-gentle man. The way his face radiated, radiated the light of God. The way he so tenderly cared for his dear wife with Alzheimer's. So gently, so lovingly, I can, I can still hear them laughing together in the next room. And one afternoon during Chinese nap time, I was brought to tears. Actually, I was sobbing by all this beauty. You see, I'd never experienced a marriage in my parents with that kind of beauty. And I needed it. It was healing for me to know that it was possible. And in ways I still don't understand and I never want to explain completely, I felt God's call to become a pastor. So that moral beauty led me to a new place. As we've been learning in our series, awe is whatever happens whenever we experience something, whether vast or really, really small. Thank you for those flowers. That transcends and expands our current understanding of reality. 
Awe awakens us to stop sleepwalking through life. Friends, are you sleepwalking? Wake up to begin seeing the depth dimension of reality, of life, the God dimension, to start taking a long, long loving look at the real, capital R. In his new book on the science of awe, Dacher Keltner helps us to see the many different ways that we experience awe in our lives. And he calls them the eight wonders of life, and they're listed in your bulletin if you want to turn to them just briefly. The first one he talks about, actually it's his number six, I think, is uh, religious experiences, what we as people of faith would call spiritual encounters with God. The next one is moral beauty, like I experienced with Stephen Wong. Collective effervescence, that's our kids dancing outside in the rain together, right? Moving and grooving together. We love to do things together. God has made us that way. Natural beauty, those irises blooming outside of some of your windows. Doris, <laughs> right? Music, visual arts, births and deaths. Nancy is right now. Nancy Boyd is on her. She's nearing Toledo to mourn the death of her nephew, grandnephew, Tristan. And lastly, epiphanies. Jesus opening the scriptures for Cleopas and his friends. That's an experience of epiphany, new understandings. And in response, all we can say sometimes in English is what? Wow. In Spanish? Wow. Chinese? Wow. Italian? Mamma mia. <laughs> I think that's interesting. You know what that means? My mother. That's really interesting. By now in our series, maybe some of you are beginning to ask, hey preacher, isn't it a little pretentious and even precious for us to be focusing on awe for four Sundays while our planet groans with extreme fires? extreme floods and extreme violence? Isn't focusing on awe just the luxury and escapism of privileged people? Good questions. And I've been thinking a lot about them since Menocon, where we were grappling with the climate crisis that we're in right now. So what does this have to do with awe? Is there any meaningful connection? And I believe there is, dear friends, because by God's design, and I keep on saying this today, by God's design, by God's design, it's very important 
for us to follow our awe to where it is meant to lead us. Not to self-indulgent narcissism or running endlessly after one peak experience after another, but it is meant by God's design to lead us into kinship, to lead us toward justice. Dacher Keltner, our author here, says that he is not a religious man, but friends, I am. <laughs> And so let me run with his ideas to places that he doesn't want to go. Shall we do that? Awe's very purpose, I believe, is to transport us into a deeper and more loving communion with God and those around us. By God's design, awe is meant to decrease our me focus. Me, 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 me and to move us into our we, we, we focus. It is meant to right-size us, right-size us, to finally find our proper place in our deeply interconnected and interdependent planet. Let me get really, really personal. My falling in love with Baltimore Orioles, you all know about that. I believe is meant to lead me to care more about a world where they are disappearing, to spur me into action. Awe oh, is meant to blow up our little minds and to give us the big shared mind of Christ. Let's do that together. Awe is meant to blow up our little minds. Come on. Look when we open wide. Keep your arms wide. How connected we are already. Do you see that? Awe is meant to help us to see and to seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Which, by the way, includes Orioles. Recently, some of you encouraged me to download, my Merle, uh, to download a new bird-watching app called Merlin. Probably quite a few of you had, have it. Someone asked me, how can you be a bird-watcher and not even know about this app? It's amazing. And so I downloaded it on my phone, and I took it on one of my wonderful walks with Danette on Monday mornings in County Park. And I was so proud. We got into the woods, and I, I could hear three different birds. Wow. And then I turned on my app, and it told me it was hearing five more. A red-eyed vireo, a wood thrush, a chimney swift, and best of all, not a Baltimore Oriole, but an indigo bunting. Ah, yes, they're, they're, they're special. And I suddenly realized how much I had been missing all along. 
And friends, if you remember nothing else about this whole series on awe, that's what we're trying to learn, is that we can, there's so much we're missing. The gates of heaven are everywhere, and we're not entering them. But the good news is that a receptivity to awe is a virtue that can be cultivated in all of us, especially in our kids. All of us need to slow down to the speed of awe right where we are so that we can experience God through the call of that bunting or the moral beauty of our neighbor right at hand. So as we move now into communion, let us remember what we've learned earlier, that our spiritual awe, in order to be remembered and treasured, needs to get physical. It needs to be embodied. Get out of our heads and into our bodies. That's what Moses did at the burning bush. He took off his shoes. Jacob, after his dream, he built a stone tower, an Ebenezer. And today, we're not just wanting to think about our communion with Jesus and each other. We want to experience it by sharing bread and wine together. As in the early church, may awe break upon us in the breaking of the bread. Amen.